0: Alyssa Milano believes all women except for the women accusing her friends of sexual assault. We will examine how the Me Too movement died yesterday and what lessons we can learn from its demise on everything from politics to the coronavirus. Then more good news out of New York, more bad news out of the fake news media, and a Bernie bro endorsement for President Trump. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. so much to get to today. And I want to take a quick moment to give a shout out to all of our advertising partners who helped make this show possible. You know, right now, a lot of uncertainty out there in the economy. And so uh, some sponsors have had a hard time. I want to thank all of the sponsors who have uh, continued to support us through this very difficult time for our country and for the world and for keeping this show going. Because what would I do if this show weren't going anymore? I'd have to sit all alone in quarantine, and that would be no fun at all. So I just want to thank them all very, very much. We're all trying to get through this together. You, me, and last but not least, perhaps most important of all, my show's advertising partners. I want to thank our friends over at Legacy Box. I love Legacy Box. Actually, now is a great time to go check it out. Legacy Box, what is it? Very simple. It's a simple mail-in service to have all of your home movies and pictures digitally preserved on a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. It's extremely easy. You just pack it up and send it over and their service right now is on sale for 15% off. I love it. Maybe you find yourself with a little more time on your hands these days and you're looking through old pictures. This is especially great. What I used it for is family members who are no longer with us. I've got these photos, but I don't have any digital photos. So I got all these photos, a lifetime of memories, but if anything happened to these, if there were a fire, God forbid, or something like that, they'd all be gone in a flash. You just put them in the, in the box, you mail them in, they make them digital. You can get it on a thumb drive, you can get it on the cloud. It's just fabulous. To brighten your day, Legacy Box is currently offering, oh, forget 15%, an incredible 50% off uh, prices start at just $34.99. Buy today to take advantage of this exclusive offer. Send in when you're ready. Wow. Oh man, that's better than 15. That's 50. Get started preserving your past today. Legacybox.com noles Knowles, Save 50% while supplies last. Buy today to take advantage of this exclusive offer. Send in when you're ready. Go to Legacybox.com noles and save 50% while supplies last. All right. Mark it on your calendars. Market for the history books, April sixth, twenty twenty, at ten fifty seven a.m. was the precise moment the Me Too movement died. That was the time, and the death of the Me Too movement has important lessons for everything from politics to coronavirus. How did it die? It died because Alyssa Milano took the Me Too movement out back like Old Yeller and shot it in the head. She ended it without any question. She did that because of Joe Biden. You might remember a few weeks ago, we talked about this on the show. There's a woman who's come out to accuse Joe Biden of sexually assaulting her. Her name is Tara Reid, not the actress, different Tara Reid. Here is her story.
1: So I remember that kind of stuff. I remember like I was wearing a blouse and he just had me up against the wall and the wall was cold. And I remember he it happened all at once. The gym bag—I don't know where it went. I handed it to him, it was gone, and then his hands were on me and underneath my clothes. And um, yeah, and then he went. Oh, he went down my skirt, but then up inside it, and he uh, penetrated me with his fingers, whatever. And um, I. Uh, he was kissing me at the same time and he was saying something to me. He said several things and I can't remember everything he said. I remember a couple of things. I remember him saying first before like as he was doing it, do you want to go somewhere else? And then him saying to me when I pulled away, he um, got finished doing what he was doing and I kind of was pulled back and he said, he said, Come on, man, I heard you liked me.
0: This is a pretty serious allegation. This is a lot more than just hair sniffing. Now for the record, I don't believe this story. I don't think the story checks out. I think a lot of time has passed. I think her story has changed over the years. I don't think it's credible. Uh, That's fine to weigh the evidence and think it's either false or true. Uh, That's not hypocritical if your standard of justice is the evidence and weighing the evidence and trying to come to the truth. That's not hypocritical to hold that standard of justice. It is, however, hypocritical for the Me Too movement leader, uh, Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano in particular. Alyssa Milano's standard of justice is believe all women. But Alyssa Milano it would seem, doesn't believe that woman, but that woman is still a woman. So by Alyssa Milano's standard of justice, she's got to believe her and yet she doesn't. It's pretty awkward. Why doesn't Alyssa Milano believe her? Because she's just endorsed Joe Biden. So what does she think of this? Until now, she hasn't said anything. She's been completely silent on the allegation, as has the entire mainstream media, because they don't want to deal with it. Now Alyssa Milano is in this impossible situation because the believe all women premise is absurd right? The believe all women premise is that women cannot lie. (laughs) That men can lie, but women cannot lie. But men and women are exactly the same and there's no difference in gender, but still women are protected by the supernatural force field that forces them to tell the truth at all times. Nobody believes that. However, it was politically useful to advance that line when Alyssa Milano tried to torpedo Brett Kavanaugh's career and Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court without any evidence. So now Alyssa Milano is finally going to speak out on this issue and she's defending Joe Biden. She does not believe Biden's accuser. Here's her reasoning.
2: I endorsed Joe Biden.
0: Okay, good.
2: And there have been accusations against Joe, um, about sexual, ass- about a sexual assault. Right. And people and were saying, how so, can you do that? Because so you're- I was, um, I have not publicly said anything about this. Um, If you remember it kind of took me a long time to publicly say anything about about Harvey as well. Because I believe that um, even though we should believe women and that is an important thing and what that statement really means is like, you know, for so long the the go-to has been not to believe them. So really we have to sort of societally change that mindset to believing women.
0: Now, why do I think there's a but? That's about to follow her statement. She goes, "Look, we yeah, we have to believe all women and I think we should totally believe all women. Like women, all of them, totally got to believe them." But
2: but that does not mean at the expense of not um you know giving men their due process and and like investigating that. situations i like um, that and and giving you know it, it, it's got to be it's got to be it's got to be fair in, in both directions
0: oh okay that's what that means because silly me before i thought believe all women meant that we had to believe all women and deny men their due process rights just like Alyssa Milano did to Brett Kavanaugh, very famously. But actually now what I'm learning from Alyssa Milano is that believe all women means in reality, believe some women when it's politically advantageous and then disbelieve other women when it's politically advantageous. That's what that really means. It means we need to get rid of due process rights when Republicans are being accused of crimes, no matter how frivolous, but we need to defend due process when Democrats are being accused of crimes, which, by the way, we already knew because these feminist harpies never said a peep when Juanita Broderick rather credibly accused Bill Clinton of rape decades ago. That's how we know. That's how we know that that's what this always meant. Alyssa Milano actually tweeted out about it. She goes, quote, There is something to the idea that people are going to weaponize Me Too for political gain. Gee, you don't say. <laughs> you think people would weaponize Me Too? Like uh, Alyssa Milano, who sat scowling at Brett Kavanaugh at his confirmation hearing, holding a sign that said, I believe survivors. You mean like that? She goes on. Just look at the replies here and look to see whose accounts, who those accounts are supporting in the primary. There always needs to be a thorough vetting of accusations. (laughs) It's, the fact that she can say this with a straight face is what's so shocking about it. Alyssa Milano sitting there holding the sign, I believe survivors, except she doesn't believe survivors. She self-identified survivors, I suppose I should say. She believes the women that it's convenient to believe and she doesn't believe the women that it's not convenient to believe. And this is the worst standard of justice imaginable. Because for instance, I don't like Joe Biden. Okay. I don't think Joe Biden should be president. I don't think he's a particularly admirable guy. It would be politically advantageous for me and for other conservatives and Republicans to believe that this accusation against him is true. But I don't. I don't believe it's true. I think her story has changed. I think it's very convenient now that she's attacking him all these years later. I We don't see any other evidence of this in Joe Biden's life. I just don't buy it, okay? The problem with me too is that it was always fake news. That's not, not to say that there weren't real things that happened. Not to say that women weren't actually harassed and mostly by left wing Democrats in Hollywood, but by other people too. It's not to say that the individual episodes were not true. It's to say that the Me Too movement itself never cared about the truth. How do we know they never cared about the truth? Because the slogan was believe all women, not believe the truth. Believe people based on their sex rather than the evidence. There is a much more general lesson here to come from the demise of Me Too. And the lesson is when you allow your political preferences to become your standard of truth, you become much dumber. You look much more foolish. You end up with egg on your face. If you just follow the evidence, if you just try to discern the truth, You might not always be popular, you might not always get all the press attention that the Me Too movement and Alyssa Milano have, but in the long run, you will look a whole lot better than if you are just throwing out hack accusations at you and serious accusations at your political opponents without any evidence because that's just how you want things to turn out politically. It's not just Alyssa Milano. It's not even just the Me Too movement. There has been a lot of fake news going around and major mainstream institutions have been promoting it, not because there's evidence that it's true, but because it suits their narrative. We will get to that in just one second. First, I've got to thank our friends over at NetSuite. You know how much I love NetSuite. Uh, So right now, especially in the current economic climate, it is especially important for a business to be on top of its numbers. What do companies like Ring, Hint, and Tacovis all have in common. They all use NetSuite to accelerate their growth. Successful companies know that in order to grow faster, you must have the right tools. If you want to take your company from 2 million to 10 million, or from 10 million to hundreds of millions in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives you the tools to turbocharge your growth. With NetSuite, you get a full picture of your business, right? You get to see finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more. It's everything you need to grow all in one place. I really love these guys. And right now, especially if you've got a little time on your hands, schedule your free product tour. You will not regret it. And you'll get your free guide, six ways to run a more profitable business at NetSuite.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Do it right now a lot of businesses are going to need to take off very soon. They're going to need to explode their growth. Go to netsuite.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. So a similar fake news story, similar disregard for the truth. There was a story that ABC News put out uh, just a few days ago of a nurse in tears quitting her job because she didn't get the kind of equipment that she needed to fight the coronavirus. The tweet from CBS News said, quote, in tears, a nurse says she quit her job after she was asked to work in a coronavirus ICU without a face mask. America is not prepared and nurses are not being protected. CBS News put that out. One of the big networks. Bernie Sanders tweets out this video. Major politicians. Turns out it's a total fraud. Here's the woman.
1: America is not prepared and nurses are not being protected.
2: I quit my job today. I went into work and I was assigned to a COVID patient on an ICU unit that has been converted to a designated COVID unit. None of the nurses are wearing masks, not even surgical masks in the hallways when they're giving report to each other. I had my own N95 mask. I told my manager, I understand we're short on supplies,
1: but let me protect myself. Let me feel safe.
2: I have family that I have to come home to and the way things are looking, this isn't gonna get any better. America is not prepared and nurses are not being
0: protected. So the moment that I saw this video go around from CBS News, mind you, my first thought was, nope. No, don't think so. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I've watched too much reality TV, but I know a good performance from a bad performance. That was a very bad performance. Why else did I not believe it? Because it didn't correspond to the other reports that we were seeing around the country that Hospitals were being stocked with these things, that the state and local governments were doing a good job and the federal government was doing a good job getting these masks. The idea that hospitals would allow their nurses and doctors to just run around not wearing any masks at all, nobody in their right mind would believe that unless you- your standard of justice is to just follow your own political preferences to their wildest, most hysterical ends. So I knew that was a bunch of BS from the beginning, but you know, if you don't have evidence, you don't want to call BS on it. Just a few days later, the evidence comes out to give you a little bit of context. Here is some of that crying nurses, other work on social media.
1: Coronavirus. Shit is real. Shit is getting real. Don't worry. Every single person that you'll come into contact with this evening has no coronavirus. And don't worry, the coronavirus only lasts for up to three days on on unclean
2: surfaces. You'll be fine. Don't worry, coronavirus is real. Sh is getting real.
0: Okay, so. My main takeaway from that is nothing in particular about the content. It is just that perhaps this lady does not have everything put together. And then we find out she posted on social media just a few days before she sent out her crying video that CBS picked up that she, she wrote that she had anxiety and bipolar depression, that she hadn't been working in the hospital for over a year and didn't know if she was ready to return. So now we have the new Jessie Smollett and it might not even be her fault. She might have some serious problems and CBS News and the fake news media are just exploiting her and sending her video around because it suits their narrative, even though their narrative is completely fictitious. Just like in the case of Jesse Smollett, the people who pushed this will never pay a price. CBS News is not going to pay a price here, right? Many people are not going to see the correction. This is how the fake news media thrive. They put out a completely fictitious story. It gets seen by millions of people. Then, A few days later, when the truth finally catches up with the lie, they put out a little correction on Twitter. Whoops, sorry. I guess we were wrong. Okay, never mind. We'll clarify. It's not, maybe there's some questions here. You've already had the millions of people see the video. You've already got the fake story implanted in their brains. And then, you know, to a few, the tens of thousands of people maybe see the correction. Some don't even read it that carefully. And the fake news thrives. Even for the people who do see the correction, that's fine. That's fine because CBS News is going to wait for the next one and pull another hoax and hopefully they'll get away with it next time. It's not just CBS, not just Alyssa Milano. Check out the New York Times. New York Times runs an incredible story now on the question of coronavirus medicine. You know, there's this medicine out, hydroxychloroquine, and it's this malaria drug that has been shown extraordinarily effective at treating coronavirus. So they're trying to ramp up production now, and uh, you know, treat the patients who have this this pandemic because there's no cure for it, right? It's a new coronavirus, so we don't have a vaccine, we don't have a cure specifically for that. This is great news. We were told we can't reopen the economy until we have some medicine to treat coronavirus. Well, then we found this medicine. How great! Remember, the fake news media were telling us two million Americans or more were going to die from this thing. Well. I'm sure glad we found this treatment that's working incredibly well. What could possibly be wrong with that? Well, the New York Times figured out what's wrong with that. New York Times publishes this piece by Olga Lucia Torres, who teaches narrative medicine. That's her bio, narrative medicine. Not even going to ask. Headline, Trump keeps putting the lives of lupus patients at risk. The next line, we now have to deal with a shortage of hydroxychloroquine, the drug that's been keeping me alive for more than two decades. The guy just can't do anything right, can he? They knock him because millions of Americans are going to die from this new pandemic that nobody could have predicted. Trump identifies a drug that works to treat that virus, and then they knock him for using the drug because now other people are not going to have the drug or something, maybe. Is that it? The the New York Times has decided that Trump saving lives is actually killing people. Okay. Uh, Here's just the the first couple paragraphs. On March 19th, I woke up, made coffee, took my usual 10 pills and turned on CNN, hoping to see Governor Andrew Cuomo. I got President Trump instead. He was talking about the drug hydroxychloroquine as a potential treatment for COVID-19. The drug, he said, without providing any evidence, showed tremendous promise my cheeks flushed with fear and rage. She says she's really upset that there's a medicine for the coronavirus. I'm furious that people will get better now. She goes on quoting Trump. I think it's going to be great. He went on my life and that of millions of other people who depend on hydroxychloroquine to treat lupus changed in that brief moment. Our lives were suddenly more at risk. Wow. Now, I want to hone in on a line here right in the first sentence. She said she was hoping to see Governor Andrew Cuomo, not Donald Trump, because Donald Trump was promoting hydroxychloroquine and that was killing people like her. What she leaves out of this, this essay is that Andrew Cuomo promoted the same drug. He said the exact same thing that Trump said, but it's okay when Andrew Cuomo, when Andrew Cuomo says it, it doesn't kill lupus patients. But when Donald Trump says the exact same thing, for some reason, that kills lupus patients. By the way, hydroxychloroquine, we have a lot of it. There are no shortages of it being reported. It's apparently fairly inexpensive to produce. There is zero evidence that anybody who relies on hydroxychloroquine will die because of some shortage because of the coronavirus. This is completely made up because they've run out of the ability to attack Donald Trump because Donald Trump is now, has identified and is promoting a medicine to treat the pandemic that they said was going to kill 2 million people. So then it goes on again, never mentioning Andrew Cuomo, never mention, never mentioning any of the relevant facts to this. For now, I will wake up, make coffee, take my 10 morning pills, turn on CNN, hoping to see governor Cuomo, not president Trump. She doubles down on it. Like somebody, should, somebody, some editor at the New York Times maybe should have sent her the clip of Cuomo saying the exact same thing. And pray to God I don't get COVID-19 and that I can get my hydroxychloroquine filled. My daughter's smile is so beautiful. I want to continue seeing it. She teaches narrative medicine. She does. Not very good at writing narratives herself, I take it. I mean, could, if this was turned in as a 10th grade essay, you'd, you'd have to give it low marks. You'd have to return it, say, God, it's a little weak, guys. Uh, the argument is weak. The writing is weak, but it's saccharine and sentimental. The point of the argument here is not to make an argument based on evidence. The point of it is to emotionally manipulate people based on lies being run in the pages of the New York Times. The New York Times, by the way, a lot of good news coming out of New York recently. Not that you would know that if you read the gray lady in the paper of record. According to all of the evidence available, the curve is flattening in New York. That is to say, it looks like New York has light at the end of the tunnel. New York, the epicenter of coronavirus in the United States is getting better. In a National Bureau of Economic Research working paper that was posted on Friday, the MIT economist Jeffrey Harris shows that, quote, the coronavirus epidemic curve is already flattening in the city, which is surprising a lot of experts who expected to see the numbers get much, much worse for the next two weeks before we came out on the other side of it. This is what we had been told. We had been told now for a couple weeks, New York's not even close to the end here. It's not even close to the peak. The numbers are not even close to flattening. We're about to see hell for the next two weeks. And then maybe after that, it'll get a little bit better. Except Right now, it looks like the numbers are already flattening. You don't need to just believe this researcher in the NBER. The governor himself, Andrew Cuomo, is reporting the good news.
3: Number of deaths uh, are up once again, number of people we lost, number of New Yorkers 4,758, which is up from 159, but which is effectively flat for two days. While none of this is good news, uh, the flattening, possible flattening of the curve is uh, better than the increases that we have seen. Total number of hospitalizations are down. The ICU admissions are down and the daily intubations are down. Those are all good signs. And again, would suggest a possible flattening of the
0: curve. So this is is all good news. I mean, obviously it'd be better if nobody were dying at all, but relatively, this is very good news. Remember how, what was it, two weeks ago now, President Trump said he was hoping that America would begin to reopen, that things would begin to start looking good around Easter. Well, Easter's happening this coming Sunday and... It would appear that even at the place that has been most terribly struck by coronavirus in the US, things are getting better. Things are moving in that direction. You'll remember when Trump suggested that Easter date, all the experts told him it was crazy. We'd have to be locked down for another, at least another three, four weeks, maybe another two months. Who knows? All the politicians, we're going to be locked down, not just through the end of April. We're going to be locked down into May. We might be locked down into June. And so now we have this good news. We should be very happy for that good news, but we should raise our eyebrows at the people and politicians who were telling us that all the models showed that we had to keep the global economy shut down for another several weeks. Because what they're gonna get away with, this is how they're gonna get away with it. They're gonna say, right, we had these models showing terrible things, but then we all came together and we social distanced and we wore those masks. And so we were able to greatly... Reduce the spread of the virus and reduce the spread of deaths. Okay, fine. The trouble is, all your predictions were based on people already doing those things. It's not as though the predictions of we need to wait another three or four weeks or two months or whatever was based on people going out and working and going to bars and restaurants and going to concerts. The whole world was already shut down. All of the models were basing their predictions on people staying at home and social distancing and washing their hands and wearing the masks. So the models were just wrong, it would seem. I'm hoping the models were wrong. Everybody should be hoping the models were wrong. Then we've got to ask, how did they get it so wrong? What are the political incentives here? Because, well, we can all celebrate that we're coming at the end of this. I think a certain group of people are maybe not so happy to let all of this government power go, and that would be the government officials, the bureaucrats, and the politicians who are abusing that power during this pandemic. And if you want some examples of that, look no further than New York. We'll get to that in a second first. I've got to thank our friends over at you. I've got to thank you. You know, we're all kind of locked down and can't do very much right now. So we've been very happy to start this new show, All Access Live. We're going to continue doing that at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific tonight. We call it a show. It's not even really a show. It's just a way to hang out. We turn the webcam on. Sometimes we'll pull out a musical instrument. Sometimes we'll read Italian poetry. Sometimes we'll have a couple adult beverages, you know, a Coca-Cola here and there and see how the night goes. So please join us. We we really enjoy uh, doing it. And now where our only social interactions are over Zoom and Skype, it's a great way to talk to all of our listeners. So check it out, all access live over at dailywire.com. That show was initially just for all access members, but we decided with this quarantine, we're going to open it up to all of our members. If you're not a member, go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. We'll be right back with a lot more. So after this research came out of MIT that New York might be coming around, that the hospitalizations and everything are remaining basically flat, after Governor Cuomo mentioned this, the stock market surged. So people are very excited on this good news. Uh, 12 stocks rose at the New York Stock Exchange yesterday for every decliner, for every stock that fell. The market rallied on the hopes that the the new coronavirus is going away. Overall, 2,700 New York Stock Exchange listed stocks traded higher after the news came out, while only 231 fell. So great stuff, especially now that we've got, it was 10 million people thrown out of their jobs within two weeks. We're going to get more numbers at the end of this week. I imagine those numbers are going to be absolutely brutal because the numbers lag by a week. So even if things are turning around now, the numbers we're going to hear this week are going to be the ones that are reflecting last week's situation. So we need to try to pull out of this global shutdown as soon as humanly possible. And yet, for some reason, something tells me that politicians are not going to give up all the power that they just took. They just took a lot of power. They've just habituated us to a new normal that's pretty eerie. You want to see how eerie it is? Yesterday in, in New York City, walking right along the East River, you see, you see some pedestrians just going out, getting some air, walking their dogs, and you can hear a sound in the background and it's to stay in your homes, go back, social distance. It sounds like a police loudspeaker, but it's not coming from a cop on a bullhorn. It's not coming from a car. It's just coming from a little drone that's floating overhead, monitoring all the people, safe distance hovering over the water and yelling at them to go back home. The Anti-COVID-19
2: Volunteer Toronto Task Force. Please maintain a social distance of at least six feet. Again, please maintain social distancing. Please help stop the spread of this virus. Reduce
0: the death toll. And see- The Volunteer Drone Task Force. It makes me feel a little bit better to see that it's at least probably not a government drone. I hope it's not. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. They say it's a volunteer drone. If it is, and if New York were a civilized city, someone would have pulled out a 12-gauge shotgun and blown that thing out of the sky. That is just a little too Orwellian for my tastes, okay? A little too totalitarian for my liking to have a drone flying overhead telling me what to do. And uh, that is the future that some people in this country want us to have. We got to start scaling back now. The government and the experts and the self-appointed benevolent betters who fly their drones over our heads are drunk with power. And the good intentions that some of them might have in preventing the spread of the virus Are no excuse for them to take that power. The road to hell is paved with good intentions and their models have shown to be bunk. We have to take back this power. That is not a situation that any of us should be willing to tolerate. Now, there is some good news on the pop culture front, because I just keep asking myself, if people become so habituated to this kind of thing that now they don't even care, they're just willing to let all this power go away. That's fine. Yep, yell at me from a drone. Tell me to stay in my apartment. I'll just I'll just work all day long in my apartment. Not be able to go outside. Not be able to do anything. That that is a fear because I think people have become much more accustomed to giving up their independence. But on the pop culture front, Joe Rogan is giving me hope. Joe Rogan, kind of interesting political views. You don't know, is he on the right? Is he on the left? He's kind of an independent thinker. He was a Bernie bro, so you assume Bernie's not going to win the nomination now unless Joe Biden, for whatever reason, just physically can't make it over the finish line. So you expect Joe Rogan to endorse Joe Biden, but that's not what's happening. Joe Rogan was sitting down on his show and he was talking about who he might endorse. He said he would, now that Bernie's out, he would rather vote for Donald Trump than Joe Biden. This is the real issue with the Democratic Party. They've essentially made us all morons with this Joe Biden thing. (laughs)
3: <laughs> they really have. They can you made imagine? us all morons. Who do we need? I mean, can, who, I can't of, vote
2: for that guy. I can't vote for him. I can't vote for him. I can't vote for Trump.
0: There, I would, I'd rather vote for Trump than him. I, I don't think he could handle anything. I mean, you're relying entirely on his cabinet. Like, If you want to talk about a, an individual leader that can communicate, he can't do that. And we don't even know what the f- he's gonna be like after a year in office. The pressure of being the president of the United States right. is something that no one has ever prepared for. Right. The only one who seems to be fine with it is Trump, oddly enough. I mean, he doesn't seem to be aging at all or in any sort of decline. Pretty astute observation. We see that in Trump's press conferences and we'll get to the updates from yesterday's press conference in just a moment. But it's true, you know, Joe Biden, we've seen him for 50 years in public life. He was the vice president of the United States in the last administration. And even in just the past few years, since he left government, Joe Biden's decline has been pretty precipitous. And frankly, even while he was serving in the Obama administration, he was declining from what he had been 10 or 20 years prior to that. He doesn't seem to be doing very well and he's never had the big job. He's never had the actual pressure of the presidency on him. Vice presidency in many ways is sort of a cushy job and being a senator in many ways is kind of a cushy job. Could you imagine Joe Biden in the pressure cooker of the Oval Office sitting behind the resolute desk? He can't even sit behind his own desk in his living room right now without fumbling his words and forgetting where he is. So Joe Rogan is recognizing this and he said, you know, I'd vote for Trump over him, not even because I agree with Trump on policy matters, but just because Trump at least seems to be with it. He at least seems to have energy. He can handle himself in a crisis, I think a lot of people feel this way. And the conventional wisdom is that this pandemic is, has all but destroyed Donald Trump's chances of being elected president. If the economy remains in the gutter, that might be true. But if there can be any sort of modest economic recovery from a far worse economic collapse than we saw in the 2007 financial crisis, from an economic collapse that we haven't seen since the Great Depression, if there's any kind of recovery. I think he'll get credit for it. I think that's why he's going and doing these these daily press briefings every day. I think that's why CNN is now often refusing to cover him in his press briefings. is because they realize he looks good. He looks like a leader. He's communicating directly to the American people in a way that we have not seen from our president since Ronald Reagan. And people recognize this is a tough situation and he's doing a pretty good job. I don't think Joe Rogan's going to be the last Bernie bro to get behind Donald Trump rather than Behind Joe Biden. And let's just take a quick little look at the update from the press briefing because, interestingly, the theme of yesterday's press briefing was the theme of our show today. These false narratives getting absolutely smacked down. I mean, we've seen, separate from the coronavirus, we've seen the Alyssa Milano Me Too narrative get struck down. We've seen the New York Times get struck down. We've seen CBS get struck down. And Donald Trump doesn't want to just let us have all the fun. So he's getting in on it too. He did it yesterday. Nobody dismantles the fake news better than Trump. So Trump was asked a question about the inspector general from health and human services. This is a government bureaucrat who was criticizing president Trump. And, uh, this reporter wanted to know about his reaction to the IG report. Listen to how president Trump takes it apart. He goes for the reporter's credibility. First, and exposes the, the reporter doesn't have very much.
1: The inspector general for the Department of Health and Human Services released a report today, a survey of more than 300 hospitals across the country. And the number one complaint from those hospitals were severe shortages of testing supplies and well, a really long wait time. I mean, it's a just week wrong. or longer. And
3: did I hear the word inspector general? Really? Uh, it's wrong. And they'll talk to you about it. It's wrong. But this
1: is- own government.
3: Uh, it's well. Where did he come from, the Inspector General? What's his name?
1: It came from the Inspector General No, what's his report. name? What's I don't his name? know his name. Well, off the top
3: find me his head. name. Let me know. Okay. If but, you find me his name, I'd appreciate it.
1: But, sir, these are hospitals. All I can tell you is not, this: sir, we put
3: up on the board. You're going to ask. You're going to ask the Admiral. But these are we are doing.
1: Who say that they're waiting a week or longer
3: fine. to get we'll their test the results? Why but is we've done still more testing so and had more results than any country anywhere in the world. They're doing an incredible job. Now they're all calling us. They want our testing. What are we doing? How do you do the five minute test? How do you do the 15 minute test? So give me the name of the inspector general. Uh, could politics be entered into that? Go ahead, please. This is our- Go
0: ahead. There's the money line. The money line is, could politics be entering into it? President Trump is calling out this reporter for two reasons. One, to show that the reporters don't know what they're talking about. The reporters with a very straight face, they say, oh, the inspector general came out and was criticizing you. And so what do you say about the inspector general? He goes, tell me more about this inspector general. Oh, no, it's the inspector general. Yeah. Do you even know the inspector general's name? Uh, uh, no. I, well, all we know is that the inspector general is criticizing you. <laughs> okay, he's saying, okay. So you don't know anything about this story. You're just forming a narrative." that is against me. And so I'm not going to entertain that. And so he exposes that the reporters don't even know what they're talking about. Then it shows that the reporters are hiding the game and the left does this a lot. Okay. I, I remembered the, the first time I saw the mainstream media do this was actually, it wasn't about coronavirus. It wasn't even about contemporary politics. It was about Christopher Columbus. They were hiding the game. They were trying to hide their real intentions here behind a, a title. They, they weren't coming forth with information that would shed some light on it. With Christopher Columbus, there was a, in 2006, there was a big hubbub because there was an uncovered document that showed that Christopher Columbus was a terrible, no good, dirty, rotten scoundrel. And all the headlines, I, I'm not exaggerating, they would say, Columbus actually was a murderer, a tyrant, a terrible man. New document proves it. And the new document was this uh, one account of of Columbus being a mean guy and a bad governor. And it was the document that was used to kick him out of the governorship of the Indies. But I kept looking. I said, who wrote the document? I mean, there were so many biographers of Columbus. Who wrote it? I couldn't find it anywhere in the news reports. And then I looked I finally was able to uncover the document was written by Francisco de Bobadilla, Columbus's chief political rival in the Indies. That is to say, it would be like, it would be like a a reporter pointing out that Donald Trump is the worst man that ever lived on the face of the earth based on a brand new report that came out from Hillary Clinton. The fact that Hillary Clinton is Trump's political rival is very relevant information to any kind of uh, report on his character that she writes, right? Because it shows some of her biases maybe it shows where she's coming from. The same thing is going on here, but they don't want to admit that. So reporters were asking about the AG. ABC's John Carl initially says that the AG was appointed this past January to which uh, President Trump responded that he would look into it. Then Trump uh, was later asked, uh, uh, later asked a question about this. He asked, when did she start serving in government?
3: How long has that person been in government? Could I uh, did serve in the previous administration. Oh, you didn't tell me that. Oh, I see. You didn't tell me that, John. You didn't tell me that. Did serve in the previous administration. You mean the Obama administration. Thank you for telling me that. See, there's a typical fake news deal. Now, look, look, you asked me when she was
0: appointed. I told you when she was appointed. You're a third-rate your reporter.
3: And what you just said is a disgrace, okay? You asked me, you said, sir, just got appointed take a look at what you said now. I said, when did they, when did this person, how long in government? But, but, well, it was appointed in the Obama administration. Thank I'll you very much, John. Sir. Thank you very much. You will never make it. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just absolutely devastating. Cause there it is. Actually this guy, John Carl had previously said that, oh yes, uh, this person was appointed just uh, by your administration, which I guess is technically true. Person was was reappointed by the Trump administration, but initially she started working for the Obama administration. And Trump's whole question here was, could there possibly be any political bias? Maybe I just I'm maybe I'm just throwing things out there, spaghetti at the wall. And initially they say no, then it finally comes out that it was true. That wasn't the only issue of fake news; it was the only narrative that fell apart yesterday. Another one had to do with the Paycheck Protection Program. This is part of this relief package to help small businesses and people who were struggling. A reporter asks Trump the question with the premise that the paycheck protection program which has been by all accounts quite successful is a complete complete flop
1: the paycheck protection program has gotten off to a confusing start for small businesses because well fargo has stopped taking applications bank of america has prioritized haven't. taking applications from clients that were already bank borrowers. of america so has been the leader taking
3: tremendous numbers of applications And, of course, there may have been. They wanted to have a slightly different application. They wanted to have a little different information. Uh, But Bank of America has been a leader. They're number one in terms of applications. I wish you'd ask the question differently. Why don't you say it's gotten off to a tremendous start, but there were some little glitches, which, by the way, have been worked out. It would be so much nicer if you do that. But you're just incapable of asking a question Sir, in a positive way.
1: Is the federal government it's already in done? Place it's already done. That there it's is it's
3: taking the measures. It's taking the measures.
0: See, Trump's got to do two things in every one of these answers. He's got to answer the question and give out the relevant facts, and then he's got to show people the tactics that the media are using to spin their fake narratives. Okay, that's maybe more important than even answering the question, because. We, even people on the right, have been enthralled to the mainstream media for so long. We've just been brainwashed by it. We've been hypnotized by the mainstream media, even though we can point time and again. I could go on for another two hours today of examples that just occurred yesterday in the mainstream press to push dishonest narratives. Think of the nurse who says she doesn't have any masks. CBS News, very scary music, very sad music. Think about all of these narratives that we just, we don't even pay attention to. If you had to pay attention to every single one, you wouldn't be able to get anything else done during the day. So President Trump has these two difficult tasks to do. He's got to lead the country, give out the relevant information, calm everybody's fears, and simultaneously expose the hackery, the dishonesty, the cynicism, the falsehood that comes from our mainstream press. He's doing both of those pretty well right now. I mean, I think that's why we have the daily press briefings. It's up to us when we see this stuff to call it out as well. Don't give them an inch. Don't give them any leeway. There are very high stakes here. These people are trying to take a lot of power away from you. In many ways they've succeeded and the next few weeks are going to be crucial to make sure that they don't keep that power indefinitely. All right, that's our show. We got more to get to. We'll do it tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles show. See you then. Supervising Producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical Producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant Director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and Associate Producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio Mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and Makeup, Nika Geneva. Production Assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire, 2020.
3: Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. As signs of hope begin to appear on the horizon, the most difficult thing for most Americans to do is gather information. First, because we don't know what we don't know. And second, because the press keeps lying. Then they let China lie. And then they lie some more. We'll talk about that and we'll have Congressman Dan Crenshaw on The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm Andrew Clavin.